praise you, Jesus. We lift your name high, God. We lift your name high. Yes. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us all those years ago. What we celebrate today, what we are reminded of today, your sacrifice. We thank you, Jesus. It truly is a good Friday. Thank you, Jesus. Church, we, we gather on a Friday, on Good Friday, because of what He did for us all those years ago on that cross. He laid His life down. He willingly stretched His arms open. He allowed the soldiers to pierce His hands. He did that for you. He did that for me. But it is a good Friday because we know the ending. He didn't stay on the cross. He didn't stay in the grave after the cross. He is risen. That's what makes this Friday a good Friday. Because He is risen. I know, spoiler alert. I should have warned you. Turn to someone next to you and tell them, He is risen. He is risen. And you can take your seats. I shouldn't have let you know the score. But uh, God wins. Who's happy about that? I'm glad Jess is happy about that. It's fantastic. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege that we get to worship you, to serve you, to bring glory and honor to your name. I thank you for the country that we live in where we can freely and openly do it, where we can proclaim what Easter is really about, what Easter is all about. And the only reason for Easter is because of you. And Lord, I pray that the words that I share today are not my words, Lord, but they are your words. I pray that every single person that hears my voice will hear something specific for them from you, Jesus. And let us leave today in deeper love with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Title of my message today, it's going to be quite short. Not the title, the message is works don't work. And I want to read from Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 32. It says, Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, him being Jesus. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Speaking of the soldiers that are crucifying him. And then the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. That was one of the prophecies about Jesus being fulfilled there as well. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too. 
by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have, senten- if have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Now this probably isn't your average Good Friday message that I'm about to preach But I'm just trying to be obedient to God. And God asked me to give this word. And I know that he's got something for us in this. So on Good Friday, we take time to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. The sacrifice he made for us. The sacrifice he made for you. And the sacrifice he made for me. But this morning, I want us to take a look at a particular salvation journey of one individual that's in this passage here. You see, Jesus was hanging between two criminals, two men that were on the cross for a reason. And they knew that they did wrong. They knew that they deserved to be crucified. But Jesus was their innocent. Jesus did nothing that deserved being put to death. Yet, he was still there. He was there because he was accused by the religious leaders of heresy. He was accused by the religious leaders of claiming to be God. That's a big no-no, all right? You just don't go around saying you're God. People are going to want to kill you. But Jesus did that, and it's because he is God. So he was, he was hated by the religious leaders. They so desperately wanted to kill him. And there's even one passage where he was at the face of a cliff, and the crowd was pushing against him after he declared that he is God, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. But it says that it wasn't his time yet, and he passed through the crowd. So for a long time, these religious leaders wanted to kill Jesus. You see, Jesus, the message that he proclaimed, the religious leaders did not like. Jesus preached grace. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is at hand. It is near. But it doesn't look the way you think it looks. He was talking of grace. He was talking of redemption for all mankind. Yet the religious leaders wanted to impose works on people. They wanted to impose these rituals and sacrifices and you do have to do this and you have to do that. Now, they're just going on what the Old Testament was, how the Old Testament was taught to them. They're not really going out there just to be against God and and, and to, you know, try to hurt people per se, but what they were doing was so opposite to what Jesus was sent to do by God as the Son of God, they just couldn't put it together. Jesus came because of grace, because of love, and these religious leaders were there to impose works. Jesus wanted to save humanity through grace, and they thought their salvation is through works, but works don't work. I know that is grammatically incorrect. I put it in my document and it said there's an error and it wanted me to to, uh, rectify it. I'm sorry, teacher Jason, it's what it is. 
We'll see you in the principal's office after the service, obviously. <laughs> Works don't work. All right, it just sounds better that way instead of, I don't even know the other way that I want it. Works doesn't work. That does work, though. But works don't work. We're going to stick with that one because I've already done the slides. We're going to stick with that. How many religious leaders do you think that were daily doing their rituals, that were sacrificing super often, that were learning the Torah, memorizing it, being able to just repeat it? They've got it sewn into their hearts. They would pray three times a day facing Jerusalem. How many of those leaders do you think entered into paradise with Jesus that day? I don't think, well, unless they died and they were right with God, but I don't think any of them did. Yet there was a criminal hanging next to Jesus that deserved to be put to death, unlike Jesus. He lived a life that led him to death. He lived a life that caused him to be on the cross. He was guilty. He lived a life that probably hurt people. He lived a life that probably caused people a lot of pain and anguish, probably caused himself a lot of pain and anguish. He lived a life and he was found guilty of his sins. He lived a life bad enough to be put to death. He probably didn't offer sacrifices often. He probably didn't pray three times facing Jerusalem. He probably didn't obey the Sabbath. He probably didn't even memorize the Torah. Yet he was with Jesus that day in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise, the words of Jesus. How? Why? What did he do that separates him from the religious leaders? What did he do that separates him from the other criminal that was on the other side? What did he do that separates him from the Roman soldiers? What did he do that separates him from Pilate that actually saw that Jesus was innocent yet still turned him over to the Jews? What did he do? He recognized that he was sinful. He recognized that he was wrong. He recognized that there was nothing that he could do to make himself right in God's sight. He needed Jesus. So he turned to Jesus and he asked Jesus if he would accept him. So Jesus did. Jesus turned to the man next to him and forgave him. Even at the door of death, Jesus gave grace. Even in his probably most painful point in his life, Jesus gave this man grace. Jesus gave grace even at death. He forgave, he restored, and he accepted this criminal into his kingdom. Could you imagine being the criminal that day, that afternoon after the cross? He arrives at the pearly gates. He's there. The angels are there. Obviously, the Wi-Fi was slow back then in heaven, so his name wasn't yet on the list. And they're like, oh, okay, uh, so... Um, what, what denomination were you part of? No, I, I don't know. Okay, so how did you worship? Was it more like this? How did you worship? How was, how was it that you worshipped? 
No, I, I uh, <laughs> okay, that's, uh, that's odd. Um, baptized? Are you baptized? No, no. What youth group did you go to? I was, what's youth? Could you imagine? He's just there. He's like, I don't know. They're asking him all these questions. They're like, so you're not baptized. Did you ever take communion? What are you doing? Did you pray to Jerusalem three times? What, what, what is it that you're not on the list, mate? He's like, well, you know what happened was I was meant to die. And I was next to this guy that wasn't meant to die. He was there next to me. And I looked over to him. And I realized that this man is the son of God. And I asked him for forgiveness. And he forgave me. And he said, today I can come in here. Grace. There's nothing that we can do to enter into eternity with him. No works that we can do. Instead, it has everything to do with who you believe Jesus is. It's nothing that you can do. You cannot work for your salvation. You, know, you cannot work to inherit the kingdom of God. It is what you believe Jesus is. It's who you believe Jesus is. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 16, Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? They replied by saying, some say John the Baptist, which is weird because John and Jesus were there at the same time. Some say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon responded by saying, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That is who they believed Jesus was. They didn't believe that Jesus was just a prophet. They didn't believe that Jesus was a good man. He was a good man, but not just a good man. They didn't believe that he was Elijah. They didn't believe that he was one of the other prophets. They didn't, well, they obviously didn't believe it was John the Baptist because, I mean, they knew John the Baptist. Um, they believed that he was the Son of God. That's what they believed. And if you keep reading the Bible, you will see so many accounts that examples that the disciples truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 13, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and gentle are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Even a criminal on the cross. This shows the unrelenting grace of God. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, no matter where you find yourself, God's grace is sufficient. Just ask the man. So yes, today we remember that Jesus died on the cross. He took our place. He paid our debts, the debt of sin. 
Yes, he did it for you. Yes, he did it for me. Yes, he did it for the criminal next to him. But he also did it for the criminal on the other side of him too. He did it for the Roman soldiers in front of him. He did it for the religious leaders that sent him to the cross. He did it for the man that was whipping him. He did it for the people that hated him. He did it for the people that we hate. I know we're not supposed to hate, but there's people that really grind us the wrong way, right? He did it for those people. He did it for the Ninevites. He did it for those that we don't think deserve it. He died, took the sin and shame of every single human being, past, present, and future, on himself. He did that. But you still have to pay your own price if you don't accept his grace. See, there were two criminals. And the one is with Jesus in paradise. Just the one. Works don't work. But neither does doing nothing. Ignoring the grace doesn't work either. You see, it's a gift that Jesus gave us. God sent his one and only son as a gift. Now, I don't know about you, but if, have you, has your wife ever ordered something online and it arrives at your door? Anyone? My wife does. Anyway, you get home and the package isn't there, but there's a little card in your door and you have to go to the post office. Now, you know there's a gift. You know something's arrived. You know that you got something. It's like, great. But what good is that gift if you never go to the post office and get the gift? What is that gift to you if you don't accept that gift? If someone put a gift on this table, if someone, um, you can if you want, uh, someone put a gift right here for me on this table, and I'd say, thanks, that's great. And I do nothing with that gift. Just, it's just there. I just look at it. It does nothing for me. It could be keys to a Porsche. I could walk past that Porsche in the car park and go, that is a nice Porsche. But I don't have the key because I didn't take it. I didn't accept it. It's when we believe in our hearts that we are made right with God and by openly declaring our faith that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works and not by ignoring, only by accepting. This criminal... I really hope, though, that this guy is in heaven still not being referred to as a criminal. Imagine if his name was Steve. He's like, hey, Steve. He's like, oh, sorry, who are you? Steve. Still don't know you, mate. The criminal. Ah, the criminal. There you are. Poor guy. They're forever wrapped with that. It's like doubting Thomas. He's not going to live it down. This man found salvation because he recognized who Jesus is. He believed it, and he openly declared it. He says, we deserve to die, but this man has done nothing wrong. He recognizes his sin, and he acknowledges that Jesus is who he says he is. He acknowledges that Jesus did nothing wrong. He probably heard Jesus around the place, probably heard him preach a few times, probably heard him say that, I am the Messiah. Who knows? But this man recognized that Jesus is who he says he is. And then he says, remember me 
when you come into your kingdom. He publicly declares that he believes that Jesus is Lord and that he needs saving. Jesus responds to this man's faith by assuring him, today you'll be with me in paradise. By grace, through faith, works don't work. Works do not work. Can I have the band to come up, please? Told you it's going to be quick. Let me encourage you this morning. There is nothing more that you can do to be made right with God. Jesus did it all. But before Jesus was there, the Israelites, to be made right with God, had to offer sacrifices. They had to make atonements for their sin. They had to take a, a perfect animal, an animal without spot or blemish, it says, an animal that is without fault, an animal that is perfect, an animal that can produce offspring, an animal that is just right. An animal, it has to be a sacrifice to them. They couldn't just take the, the sheep with lame legs. It had to be a sacrifice to them, and it had to be a perfect sacrifice for them. And they sacrificed that animal, and that animal's blood atoned for their sins that they have committed. But as soon as they walk away from that altar, as soon as they leave the place where they sacrifice their animal and they commit a sin again, they're not covered anymore. That animal does not do it anymore. But Jesus came, the once and for all sacrifice, the blood that is perfect, that cleanses us, that makes us right in God's sight. He did it. Now we are covered for sins past, present, and future. Forever we are covered by His blood. But we have to accept it. And when we do mess up, we ask for forgiveness, but we are still covered. We do not lose salvation because of sinning. His blood covers us. He is the perfect sacrifice. He is the once and for all. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God that He loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him will have an everlasting life. The person that believes in Jesus, that declares it, will enter paradise with Him. Because Jesus was perfect, without fault or blemish. He did nothing wrong. He lived a blameless life, yet He was sacrificed for us. Now because of the blood of Jesus, we are made right in God's sight. Forever. This is why we remember. This is why it truly is a good Friday. The news is good. And I said it earlier, it is pretty, you know, sad to think that Jesus had to die on a cross for us. And there's whole theological reasons behind that as to why a cross, why the blood, why this, why that. And don't get me wrong, I really want to study those things. I want to know those things more and more because I am interested in Jesus. 
But it's as simple as just accepting that. Accepting that my sins are forgiven because of what Jesus did. And he rose again. And that's where the power is. That death, hell and the grave could not hold him back. That he was victorious and that it is finished. We don't get forgiveness through works. Works don't work. It's by grace through faith. It's God's grace that we receive through faith in Him. God is so good. God is so good to us. He is so good. As you came in this morning, I'm sure you received uh, communion. Little perfect little bread circle. Uh, I don't think it looked like that at the, the Last Supper. But that's what we get. And this juice. Now each of these emblems represent something. At the Last Supper, Jesus took the bread. He broke the bread. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Partake in this in remembrance of me. And then later on, he took a cup and he said, this is my blood. This is my blood that washes you clean, that cleanses you, that makes you right in my Father's sight. On Good Friday, how, how powerful are these two emblems? Every day they're powerful. But on Good Friday, there's a day dedicated to remembering these two emblems, his body that was broken for us, his body that because of it being broken for us gives us life and life in abundance. Life just not on this earth, but in the life to come. We get to spend eternity with Jesus because of what he did for us. Let's partake together this morning of the bread. And the cup that represents, like I said, his blood that was shed for us. That cleanses us, that purifies us, that makes us right in God's sight. We thank you for your blood, Jesus. Let's partake of that together this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. We don't deserve it, Lord. We don't deserve it. But you did it anyway. So, Lord, we accept your grace by faith. In faith, we accept your grace. We accept the gift that you offer. The gift of redemption. To be made right in your sight. 
We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.